Awesome. I do have photos and they're like oh, yeah. do at you any wanna point. do do you wanna do so this is the current slide. Great. Right? This is the next slide. And yeah. if you do, I'm gonna just give you guys a little teaser of look at this beautiful Oh gosh. This beautiful, beautiful truck auto. here. <laughs> is this working in? Yeah, oh, now we're talking. Describes the <laughs> Look at that is thing. beautiful, but <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Can you just tell us about this right off the top? Because this has really got my attention. Okay, so we we're we're a little confusing. And okay, I, sorry, and I I'll be my I'll be okay, my dad. Okay, you do your okay, thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you're so excited about this, Eric, though. No, you can't tell. And there's one picture I will stop you, and we will probably have a conversation for about seven to ten minutes okay. just on this one picture. <laughs> now I'm like, which could it be? Yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. So my name is Dana. For some security reasons and stuff, which you will soon understand, I'm not going to say the exact country that we now serve in, but you're welcome to ask me afterwards when there's no Facebook Live going on. Um, and I am married, and I do have a husband and a family. Um, my husband, Andres, who we just um, hit on, he is Ecuadorian, um, and he was here with us in the States. Um, we call this like a furlough or home ministry assignment for about a month, but he had to go back because somebody's got to work, you know, mm -hmm. while me and the girls, I have three girls, we have three girls. Um, so we get to finish out the summertime here and have less work commitments and, you know, things like that. So you will see him at some point. Um, but like Eric said, um, the Lord really did put on my heart at a young age to serve cross-culturally. Um, and so most of my like post-college um, post years, I was serving in Ecuador with an organization there, working a lot with street kids and doing a lot of discipleship and, um, and leadership development, which was cool because it was something that I felt like um, I picked up a lot of that from Seaside when I was in um, junior high and high school. So it was neat to be able to do that cross-culturally. And then I also um, was really fortunate to be able to do some ministry in, um, in Ecuador in the jungle region, which doesn't, yeah, I mean, it was just pretty rad, like looking back um, that, that God like allowed just all these experiences. But if you are familiar with like the end of the spear or through gates of splendor, there's a story of five missionaries in the in the 50s who were speared to death by a tribe. Um, at the time, they were called the Alcas, and then they were referred to as the Wauranis. Anyway, we were we got to be in ministry with the next generation of this tribe that is now many of them are Christ followers, and so it was yeah. If I won't talk about that much today, but like some of these things, the like the longer, I don't know, I'm walking with the Lord or come back and forth. I'm just like, wow, Lord, this is, this is incredible to see how he's at work in so many different places. So, um, that's a little bit of my history. I met Andres, my husband, who we'll see eventually in here. I'll get, I'll get some photos. Do you want that family picture? I mean, sure. I feel bad not representing him. This is definitely the first time I've ever shared it, something without my husband. And I just, yeah. Do want to know that he, yeah, because he definitely leads this ship. Um, so that's Andres, and Naomi in the middle is nine. She was born in Ecuador. Um, we got married in Ecuador, and she was born in Ecuador. Um, and that's Elizabeth. She's five and a half, and Esther up there is two. Um, Elizabeth and Esther were both born in the Middle East, where we live. Um, so Andres, my husband, grew up in Ecuador his whole life, only spoke Spanish, grew up in a uh, Christian uh, evangelical family, I would say. Um, and when he was in junior high, high school, some, some missionaries came to his church and shared about um, how in the Middle East, well, they communicated like this, in the Middle East and in um, countries that are Islamic, that people don't know who Christ is. And for him, that was really mind-blowing because he was growing up in a Catholic country where it was, like, impossible to have not heard about Jesus, right? There's crucifixes everywhere in, in Ecuador and other, like, Catholic countries, right? So he really felt, like, in junior high or high school, I would say early high school, that the Lord put on his heart and said, you need to go serve in an Arab country at some point. Which he thought might have been, you know, like, go for two weeks, do a short-term mission. He didn't really know exactly what that looked like, but he knew that the Lord had spoken very clearly to him about that. So fast forward, we met, 
Um, and I, I was already serving as a, we're going to call it a cross-cultural worker down there in Ecuador. And we met and Andres, um, is a dentist. He does root canals. He's an endodontist. Um, and when we were engaged or actually before we got engaged, he did kindly inform me of the fact that the Lord had put it on his heart that at some point he needed to go to the Middle East. And I was like, okay, great. You know, I have a heart to serve where, wherever, um, wherever the Lord leads and opens up doors. But little did I know that it would turn into all of this. And so, um, yeah, so God used specifically a passage that I did want to open up. If you've got your Bibles, it's in Romans chapter 10. There were a lot of miracles that happened for us. And when I say miracle, I actually don't take that very lightly because I don't think for the first 25 years of my life, I don't even know if I ever experienced a miracle. But um, the Lord opened up miraculous doors um, about a year after we had been married. Um, I was, oh, maybe a year and a half after we were married because I was six months pregnant with Naomi, who's now nine. And, he op- and God opened up the doors for us to go from Ecuador to Yemen. And that's where we did our vision trip to see, um, you know, what the possibilities were for us in the Middle East. Um, I'll give you some more detail about that trip. It was during the Arab Spring. It was a very interesting time to go to um, the Middle East and pregnant. And, um, but these, this passage really stood out to us and has been kind of like our heart's cry and our anthem in a lot of ways. So it's Romans 10, and I'm actually going to read a little more than I normally do, but not verses 9 through 15. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Especially for me, Andres is calling, he he would have to share that another time, but like he has, he has a, a real distinct calling to Arab people that I've actually never, I've been around a lot of cross cultural workers and um, it's very distinct. His calling is very specific for me this part about how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard there is a sense of justice i think that the lord has put in me where it's like yes doesn't everybody at least deserve a chance to hear and make their choice you know like that is that is between them and the lord but oh my goodness how is that even fair that there are going to be people in the world that have not heard the gospel, that do not know who Christ is and what Lord are you calling me to in that sense? Um, and we also just love this passage because it shows there are multiple roles in sharing the gospel, right? It says, well, how can they go if they're not sent? You know, so there's senders, there's, there's, there's all aspects. So, um, yeah, so that's just been something that really has, has driven us. So we, we went on our vision trip to Yemen and it was a total war zone. There were three kidnappings in the five, three kidnappings of foreigners in the five days that we were there um, in the capital city. It was very intense, like very intense. There were just like blown out walls around us and there were just local people hanging out with nothing to do but chat. And they loved to chat about spiritual things and they would welcome you into their homes. They didn't have jobs or anything. So we were like, having this really hard time of, in terms of relational ministry, there was a huge open door, such need, such interest in Christ, such interest in just talking about spiritual things, which 
here in America, I don't see that as much, you know? So it was really encouraging. And at the same time, we were like, um, I was pregnant and I just could not imagine doing <laughs> bomb checks every time I walked out of the door or not having electricity and things like that. And I was like, Lord, I want to be able to serve you and, and I want to go where people want to hear about you. But this, this doesn't seem like the right fit for me. <laughs> like, and um, gratefully, my husband and I, we were on the same page with that. Andres as well was like, oh, it's, but why God? Why would you do all these miracles to get us here for us to be like, it's too hard. That's, I mean, that was my flesh feeling like that. Well, it turns out every single cross-cultural worker was evacuated within a few months at this time. This is during the Arab Spring, if you know much about like um, political history and stuff. Um, and so, but... There was a family, an American family, on the team that we visited, and they relocated to the country that we are now in. It's also in the Middle East, a safer country, not a war zone. And if we had never gone to Yemen, we wouldn't have met this family, and they wouldn't have invited us to join them in this other country. Does that make sense? So I feel like that's a great lesson in my life of I can't always see what the Lord's doing in the moment, um, but these are great reminders to me to trust him knowing his history, you know, his history in general, but specifically his history to us. So, um, uh, we, we prepared to go to the middle East. Um, we never visited this country. We were like, is it easier than Yemen? Okay. Sign us up. Um, and so Naomi was two by the time. So she's nine now. She was two when we, when we moved to the middle East, um, a few, a few things had to happen before that though, as we were preparing, and one thing is my dad got sick and died um, in, our, in our process. Um, he was only 53, 54. He died of Lewy body dementia, which is a bizarre thing to die of and in his time, in his age. Um, and so we're walking through all that. And, and I say that because I feel like it's as, as the Lord was opening doors to the Middle East, like um, trials and suffering came like through those floodgates. Um, so we, we processed through the death of my dad. I'm the oldest sibling, so there was a lot on, on me um, in that time as well. Um, took a year to grieve, and, and as soon as my dad passed away, um, I felt this actual release to be able to go. And then um, the fundraising part, or the support raising part, really started picking up. It was like the Lord knew we had to kind of go through that first before he was going to allow us to go um, to move on. Um, so we, we served in, um, in the capital city of, um, you're not going to see any photos up here of the capital city because we're no longer there. Um, if I just one? do up and down, sure. Yeah, up and down. Well, let me get back to this one. Yeah. So we served in the capital city for like six years. Um, and most of that, a lot of that was learning Arabic, which is a very hard language. Um, I studied a year and a half full time. And then started having babies and stuff, and it just never went back. And I've lived, I've lived in this country for seven, over seven years, and I, I have a very basic level of Arabic. Like I couldn't, I couldn't disciple someone. Um, yeah, my husband, he, um, he's studied consistently for the whole time, and I'm talking like Saturday morning. That man is out with his flashcards. Like he's so dedicated to language because you kind of like have to be so he is able to disciple and do things like that but I mean it's still really hard um so Arabic is um it's challenging and that's also why the workers are so few in the Arab world because it's a huge hindrance it's it's a yeah it takes years of commitment to learning a language before you can have some real basic conversations so um I'm just going to give a little bit more background, and then I want to get into some amazing things that, that we've seen the Holy Spirit doing. Um, but six years in, in the capital, learning Arabic, and partnering with uh, an amazing church, actually, that, um, so, where in our city, a lot of times, um, refugees will come from other surrounding countries. So, there's a lot of refugees from Syria, Sudan, um, and kind of like the neighboring poor countries. So there was actually a Sudanese church, so Sudan, African, 
but they speak Arabic and they and in Sudan um, Islam is the main religion so it just kind of like it's it's a trip um so it was like this African feel but like in Arabic so we got to partner with this amazing church and as through that church we found especially my husband found a lot of discipleship opportunities and so that was it was rad it was going really well um and um, dentistry-wise, we were partnered with a, um, uh, like a local uh, nonprofit that was legally like a local nonprofit. And this is wild. There, um, there was a dental department that a Colombian dentist, so Colombia, my husband's from Ecuador, Colombia, so another Spanish-speaking cross-cultural worker dentist had fundraised and set up this whole clinic to be able to serve refugees. And then he, it was time for him to leave the country and go back to Colombia. And he had really been praying like that, that those funds had come from Latin America. He just really had a heart that another Latin American dentist would be able to take over the practice. And right at that time, Andres had just finished two years of Arabic and like had enough Arabic to be able to start um, working in a practice. So that's what we did for a few years is this, um, this dental practice. It was in conjunction with a medical clinic and the majority of patients were Syrian refugees who have very little access to quality healthcare, um, if any. Um, so we saw the Lord doing amazing things. We were like in a pretty good place, had enough Arabic to, to be able to do things. Um, kids were doing well, our team was growing. Um, but then in September, about two years ago, Andres started praying and saying, all right, Lord, like, we want to see different results. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of cross-cultural workers in the capital. Like, Lord, do, what do you have more for us? And I don't think that's a prayer like, that I would, I would have made. I was like really happy to have some stability. And at that time we had just survived COVID, which COVID in the Middle East was nuts. Um, and I, we had just had another surprise baby and, you know, all these things. I was like, okay, honey, like, you pray. Um, and he did. And Andres definitely has like a total gift of faith. And so he prayed and, um, and specifically wanted to be able to find a way to get in and reach Bedouins. So Bedouins are like the native Americans of the Middle East. Okay. So like, they're like the native people, um, indigenous people of the Middle East. And, um, they are also a majorly unreached people group. So that means like they have had almost no access to the gospel. Um, just none. Um, so Andres is like, all right, Lord, like, you know, maybe, maybe you could find a way to get me to, to the middle, to, to the Bedouin people. And then little by little, Lord, the Lord led us to this hospital and it's a Christian hospital. I can tell you later, it's actually under a nonprofit organization that we're all familiar with here in America. I'll tell you after we're not on here. Um, and this hospital was built 50, 60 years ago up in the middle of a desert up at the north of our country with the purpose of um, serving and, re- and caring for medically for Bedouins with tuberculosis. Because for many years, tuberculosis was a big deal. It's now just expanded to chest related diseases bedouins are seriously um descendants of abraham you guys like i'm serious they really are um let's see if we can get a good so that's a bedouin right there maybe you've seen something like a man that looks like that with the scarf and stuff so he's bedouin and bedouin these are the tents they like literally still live in tents and they still herd camels like seriously like in the middle this still happens out in the world um so so we have so Andres had a heart for this people group I would definitely say that I don't and didn't and um and so that has been kind of a part of our process as well and so God was opening up the doors to go be a part of this hospital and it was an amazing platform, you guys. Do you see this truck over here? That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> this truck. No, not that one. The other. It's the same one. Oh. That one? No, the Land Cruiser. The Land Cruiser. Oh my God. Okay. Is it possible to buy that truck and have it shipped back to the United States? <laughs> this one. No, no, the Land Cruiser. That one. That one. Oh, yeah. So that one. How old do you think that thing is? That's a uh, 1980. Yeah, that's probably early 90s. 
So it's doing what it was made to do. Let's just yeah. be real. Like it, this Land Cruiser right here holds the um, generator in the back of it that generates all of the power for us to be able to take this truck into the nooks and crannies of the Arabian desert. And I am not kidding. Like it goes where no man can go. Um, so, I mean, imagine this hospital is giving us this amazing platform to be able to take this dental truck in. It has two, it has two clinics inside of it, like two office, whatever, like dental chairs inside of it. And so the Lord opened up this amazing, which is a whole other set of miracles, amazing opportunity to be able to, to, for Andres to be in charge of the dental department and to take this truck out into the desert and reach people in the name of Christ. It's actually, there's a Bible verse on the front of that truck right there. And it is well known that we are Christians. Um, and so we're somewhat freely able to share the gospel because we're handing out free, free dental care um, in the name of Christ. There was just like this one little problem, and that was that I hated the town that that the hospital is located in. Like, I would go there for ministry purposes, you know, like I would go there to do Syrian refugee visits and stuff, but the thought of us living there, like it gave me like a, a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm serious. Like, you know how like Jonah felt about Nineveh? Have you guys seen like the VeggieTales version? Nineveh, you know. That is how I felt about this dirty, oppressive little town with no grocery store and stuff like that. And so I say that because there came a point where I was like, all right, I got to duke this out with God because he is clearly opening up this opportunity, but I am not in favor of this idea. And this is the greatest miracle that, that I have seen is before I even sat down with the Lord, he changed my heart and he gave me warm feelings towards our town. And I, and I'm a, I say that very honestly, like I, I like Starbucks. Like I like my seriously, like my, my creature comforts and stuff, but I'm not kidding you. I really have thrived more this last year of living in this town than I had the prior six years of living in the Middle East. And it makes no sense because if you saw our town, there's nothing to thrive in there. So I know that it's just a testament of the Holy Spirit and him and him answering my heart's cry that he, in, instead of changing my circumstances, he changed my heart. Um, and our girls have done better than we've ever seen them do as well. So I share that because it's a very personal thing um, that, yeah, that I've been able to see the Lord do. So, um, the so when we were in the capital, um, we we did a lot of um, we met a lot of Syrian refugees, and especially post COVID, there was a lot of need. And so we had met this one family, husband, wife, and daughter, around seven years old, and they had huge need, like no food in the house, literally on a regular basis. And so post COVID, we were like, you know what? Let's do like a grocery, like a weekly grocery deal where we bring groceries and we also will bring God's word and we let them know we said it'll be 12 weeks we'll go through what they call are the prophets which is like Adam Noah Abraham Moses all of the like major maybe we would call them like patriarchs or forefathers of the faith we'll go through all those stories together they're familiar to them but are like the bible has a lot more detail than their cordon has and so they're usually pretty interested so that's what we did. Um, Andres and our teammates, they would go every week. They would bring, you know, like $100 worth of groceries, pretty much to cover them for the whole week. And they would sit and study God's word. And so on like week 10, they got to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, which if you have your Bible, I'm going um, to read Isaiah 53. Um, so Andres would normally like print it out so that they could have God's word in their hands and keep it right? Which is kind of cool. As it, for most Muslims, it would be like a little bit overwhelming probably to like hold a Bible in their hands. So imagine that you are Amina, the wife, um, Syrian refugee. You're reading, um, this is probably your 10th time reading God's word, right? Cause you've been doing a Bible study for 10 weeks and you come across and, and the passage for today is Isaiah 53. Up until this point, you have learned how to cover sin, there must be sacrifice. Okay, think about Isaiah. 
right? Or I'm sorry, think about um, Abraham and Isaac. This is Isaiah. So think about even as early as Adam and Eve, when they sinned to cover their nakedness, what did God have to do? What covered their nakedness? Animal skins. How did he get animal skins? The animals had to die, right? So even from the very beginning, to cover our shame, to cover our sin, sacrifice has been involved, right? It's That one always trips me up, the Adam and Eve one, because I was like, wait a minute. I didn't learn that part in Sunday school, you know? <laughs> um, so that's been like a common theme up until now, is that, that um, to cover sin, there needs to be a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice specifically. So Andres is like telling me before they, they started Isaiah 53, he's like, Dina, this is a really intense chapter. There are some really hard words in this in Arabic. He's like, honestly, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to the heart of this. And, and so we just prayed about it and asked the Lord to, to show up basically. Um, and so I'm going to just read what Amina was reading. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, and my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their, their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And Amina puts down the paper and says, I see blood dripping down the page right now. I'm having a vision of blood dripping down the page. And Andres and her teammates were like, whoa. <laughs> Which immediately opened up the conversation that they were hoping to have, right? That whose blood covers our transgressions, right? Now, for those of us that maybe have had more time studying God's word, we might know that this chapter is a prophecy talking about who? Christ, right? And that might be kind of obvious to some of us, right? Like when you look through it. But imagine this is only your 10th time reading God's word. So, um, so we're like, this is amazing. Like we've been, you know, this is what we've always been praying for and all this. Um, but to be honest, we didn't really see anything else come of it. So two more weeks, they studied the Bible together, groceries. We gave them a Bible at the end of it, Old and New Testament Arabic. Awesome. But didn't really see a lot of spiritual hunger. And so... You know, we kept up the relationship, but kind of moved on. Um, Andres was still great about checking in with them and stuff. And then not too long later, we moved. We moved to this small town that's an hour and a half away. Um, and so we continued to, you know, be praying for him and stuff. And then one day, Andres walks through the door at like 9 p.m. We're in our little desert town. And he's like, Dana, I need a dream interpreter. And I was like, honey, we don't do that. Um, I was like, I'm not sure that's a thing. I don't really understand. And I don't think, I don't know. Do people still do that? I'm not sure. And so he tells me that the husband, so remember Amina has a husband and a daughter, had called, had left a message for Andres. And this is what the message said. It's like, Andres, last time my wife had a dream with you. 
And all, already from an Arab man, that's probably not a good way to start. You know, we're like, ooh. <laughs> um, so last night you were in my, my wife's dream and you had done something very bad, Andres. You had done something very bad and you were up in front of a church and there was a pastor and there was a tree and there was a fruit on the tree and you took the fruit and you opened up and there was a message and immediately you felt peace and you felt better. And my wife, she woke up from the dream and she felt peace as well. So what did the message say? <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we're like, well, Andres wasn't actually in the dream, you know? Um, but we're like, wow, Lord, this is an amazing opportunity. Like you're inviting us in to this dream, you know? Like, okay. And we didn't want to, we didn't want to screw it up. Like we didn't want to play into it, something that wasn't there in that dream, right? Like we don't need to help the Holy Spirit. He's doing his work. And so we were really, like, this was new for us. <laughs> and so we were just really prayerful about it. Like, all right, this is an awesome dream. So glad that, like, there was a church aspect to it, a message aspect. But the dream that we always hope for clearly has Christ in the dream, right? That seems to be the dream that, that really brings people to him. In fact, what we know to be true um, in the Middle East with, with Muslims, but... Honestly, I think it's for everybody, but that's okay. We'll start. The research says for, for Muslims that there are three things that a Muslim needs to come to Christ or to, to enter in a relationship with Christ. That's access to God's word, which now with the internet is amazing how somebody out in the middle of the desert um, has access to God's word all of a sudden, right? Um, the next thing is they need to know a Christ follower, so generally speaking, no face-to-face. Sometimes it seems to work if it's like, an, uh, like a messenger-type relationship. But no, a Christ follower. Not a Christian, but a Christ follower. And I do make a distinction on that one. Um, and, but the third thing that Muslims need in order to, to come to, to Christ as their Lord and Savior is an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is often dreams and visions, right? Or healings would be another one. Um, which I do think all of us probably need that little combination as well, but um, I'll leave it at what I do know, and that's this. So, so here's Amina. She's clearly met Christ followers and knows them very well, has had major access to God's word, is having these like Holy Spirit encounters, and we're like, all right, you know, what's it going to take? And so, um, so after praying about it, we decided that Andres, the next morning, he was going to go visit, but he was going to bring a Syrian friend of ours that is a Christ follower and very evangelistic. They were going to go together just in case Andres was going to miss something in language or I don't know, it just seemed like a good idea to not mess up this dream. So they asked Amina, they're like, okay, Amina, like, can you just tell us the whole story again? Like, we just want to hear more details. And so she says, to be honest, I was in such a low and dark place. I was already planning out how I was going to commit suicide. I already had the medications lined up. I was ready. I fell asleep and I had this dream. Andres was in the dream and Andres had done something very, very bad. There was a pastor there. There was a big tree and there was a fruit. He opened up the, he took the fruit, opened up the message and immediately felt at peace. I woke up from that dream with a peace no longer had the desire to take my own life. And not only that, but I had this joy. And it's this weird joy that you Christians, when you come over to my house, you always have this joy. And I could never figure out where it came from. We're like, wow, this is amazing. Like the Lord, the Lord clearly healed her of these, of these, of this depression and, and darkness that she was feeling in her heart. That's incredible. And so then it kind of occurred to Andres, he's like, because obviously he's very prayerful at this time. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, please, anything, give it to me. You know, you include me in the dream. What do you want me to do? Like, am I supposed to say what the message was? Like, is this like, you know, give the God, it, it was, it was a hard call. And then he realized, he's like, wait, have you ever seen a pastor or been in a church? Like, how do you know in the dream it was a pastor in a church? He's like, no. And they're like, okay, well, will you just describe, describe the setting to us, describe what the pastor looked like. And so she's like, yeah. So the pastor, he was like a, a tall man. Um, shining and glowing in white robes with a crown of thorns around his head and blood dripping down and a shepherd's staff in his hand. And we're like, that was Christ. He came to you in a dream and he healed your desire to 
to take your own life and he gave you peace and he gave you joy. And not only that, but like Christ went above and beyond to make himself very, to make it very clear who he was, right? There's no doubt. We could, we could go through the Bible and say, crown of thorns, you know, glowing white, um, shepherd staff, all these passages to show, no, this was really Christ and he loves you so much that he came to you in a dream. All that to say that she is a Christ follower and eating up God's word. Um, we got a Bible app on her phone. Um, she obviously needs a female to be discipling her. And I, I live far away and that's probably not my Arabic isn't at that level. But we have um, a really great friend that um, that is able to disciple her. And actually her husband is a seminary professor in Arabic. So they're like the dream team of disciplers. Um, so that's who Amina has walking her through it. And like, I mean, just this has like rocked our faith so much that the Lord would even be so generous to include us in on something like this. I mean, just incredible. Um, And then when I think about Amina, I feel like I have learned or maybe confirmed even more of the things that I know to be true about Christ. But to get to see it today is different than reading it in the Bible, maybe. But um, Amina got married when she was 12. She um, suffered many years of infertility, which is super shameful in in that culture. Then the Syrian war hit, and they were in a town that they experienced um, uh, like chemical warfare. And so they were actually like rescuing people that their faces were just like melting off. And so she just saw absolute atrocities, like things, you know, just hardship after hardship. Then they, they moved to our country. Um, where they experienced incredible poverty. I mean, we know a lot of refugees, and they, they were really, really suffering. But this is who Christ showed up in a dream for. And that, to me, like, I just feel like confirms the things that I know to be true about Jesus and who he is and who he was in the Bible. But it's like, she is the lowest of the low in that society. Nobody gives a rip about this woman, you know, but that is who Christ not only gave a vision to, also gave a dream to, and is now like even providing a really deep discipleship for her as well. Um, so I don't know that just has been like mind blowing to me. I'm sure. Um, encouraging for you guys as well. Um, and I wanted to share a couple more stories. How are we doing? A couple. Can I do one more story? Yeah, do one more. One more. I mean, I feel like you probably going for a couple hours, but yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll do one more story. Um, so we've got this hospital. This this is in the hospital. Um, but I just want to confirm what I was saying about that. The three things that a Muslim needs in order to come to Christ. So at our hospital, we have um, a lot of local nurses. So like um, Muslim women that are from the local community that work as nurses and it's awesome at this hospital we actually have bible studies five days a week that they're invited to and then during christmas and easter we always um do like a program to be able to share the gospel with them so huge access to the gospel in our hospital basically right now they can choose to come or not but this woman she's a nurse she's worked there for 10 years so how many times has she had access to god's word and um christ followers too right like she's interacting with them a ton obviously well, she missed our Easter presentation when we when we go through like the whole gospel because she wasn't working that day. So then a couple days later, we were doing it for our patients. And she said, can I come to that? We're like, oh, yeah, of course, you totally can. And so my friend, she's Korean, and she's she was sharing her story of how Jesus had, had met her in a dream one time. So she's a cross-cultural worker up there. She's sharing how Jesus had come to her in a dream. And this nurse of 10 years working at the hospital stands up, and she's like, oh, I had a dream with Jesus. And we're like really <laughs> you know she's admitting that in front of all of her muslim friends and all of her co-workers i mean that's a pretty big deal right and we're like okay it was honestly like so bold and so kind of out there that we didn't really believe it at first and so we're like well tell us about the dream and she said well i was sleeping the other night and i felt a tap tap on my shoulder and i looked up and um no she didn't look she, and and i heard a voice and it said um in Arabic I am Jesus the Messiah and then I went back to sleep and I woke up in the morning and my house it doesn't have any um, windows so it's normally really dark my house was glowing and shining all day long 
And so now I know that Jesus, he's the Messiah, and I'm following Jesus from this point forward. We're like, whoa, 10 years, huh? 10 years of hearing the gospel, and it took the tap, tap, I'm Jesus the Messiah, you know? So, and she is. She's eating up God's word. Um, Our dental assistant is discipling her, and she's super bold in her faith where we're kind of like, okay, you know, be careful out there. Um, But that did confirm to us again. And 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 I say that because I think it's helpful for us to know how to pray. How do you pray for unreached people? groups right like here in orange county it's it's so distant it's so it seems so far off so how do you pray and i feel like those three things are just critical access to god's word meeting a christ follower and having an encounter with the holy spirit so um yeah that those are the main things i wanted to share i do have other cool stories but i feel like we're kind of are those three things like studies you found to be true to no, it's like um, re- like research in terms of like following movements where um, like people like um, family groups reach family groups reach reach family groups. It seems to be that like trifecta really makes a big difference, and it's rarely all at the same time. It's usually over like a lifetime, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the pictures that you had put up here. I mean, this is your family. Let's go through those real quick because I think that'd be really helpful. So this is the rolling clinic. Yes. Rolling clinic going in, doing, um, dental work. And that sweet Toyota Land Cruiser is right there. And that's a generator. Yes. That's a generator. Andres drives that. He drives, who drives a big truck? You? No, no. We actually hire a driver. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And then these are all people that are in need of dental care. Yes. These are all Bedouins. Do you require a profession of faith for Novocaine? Or can they receive, like, do they have to say, I'm a Christian, or you're not getting Novocaine? How does that work? No, but it's awesome to be able to share the gospel with somebody who, ha, ha, like this, and they can't talk back, right? So, you know, there is an advantage. Yeah, okay, so this is your kind of rolling setup. And yes. I can only imagine how, I mean, how critical, I mean, some dental care is out there, too. So. Yeah. Okay, go to the next picture. Yeah, so, like, in so, a week, and, like, a five-day um, dental clinic, they'll see at least 100 patients. Okay, tell us about this picture. So this is at the hospital where, so the hospital has like a compound and it's got over 3,000 um, olive trees um, there. So that, because the inpatients, imagine they're out from like the desert and here they are stuck inside a hospital. So the idea is that they can have something that feels a little bit more mm-hmm. like nature. Mm-hmm. But it's also like for us, a very life-giving space for our family. Even though we're in this kind of like dirty, oppressive little town, we have access to this beauty mm-hmm. as well. Um, runway. So this is our dental, uh, our other dentist actually, we, the Lord provided a second dentist so that Andres could do a lot more discipleship. Mm-hmm. And she's actually from Mexico, which we're like, what in the world? What are the chances of finding like other Latin dentists that speak Arabic that want to come serve with us? <laughs> I mean, but this just, isn't inside, that's not inside the rolling clinic. No, actually, so we have the rolling clinic and then in order to be able to serve even more patients, she will do extractions anywhere that we can set up that chair. Okay. And she's amazing. She's an orthodontist, and she does extractions like a champ. Um, so we always partner with a, a community leader, and usually that community leader is somebody that um, was an inpatient at our hospital. Mm-hmm. And so they had tuberculosis treatment or something like that. They were around us for a month. And then we offer, hey, would you like us to be able to take the dental truck to your community? And they already know what that includes. That includes free dentistry, yes, and that definitely includes the gospel. So they know what they're signing up for, basically. But we are, have to be invited in. We don't just show up somewhere. Um, and that's a Bible verse off the top. And I don't know which one is not with the Lord. Right, Jesus wept. It's the shortest yeah. one, so it fit up there. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a part. It's a part of the verse. The first part is with the Lord, with the Lord Jesus, something like that. Um, and then because, so in the afternoons after our um, dental clinic, we'll um, do like little workshops or something just to try to get more relationally with people. And so this is like a little um, circle, like a ESL. English as a second language, just little workshop type thing. Okay, so thing. teaching language. Just yeah. Little, okay, so this is a, so a Bible study or something like that. It's yeah. More like, okay, yes, this is not a Bible study. Um, yeah, we also use the Jesus, we try to use the Jesus film as well. Um, we always offer the Jesus film. 
it has yet to be taken <laughs> in, in a community setting, but in the hospital, we use it all the time. So um, those of you that are familiar with the Jesus film, like we definitely see it making a big difference where we are. Like it'll show to a bunch of people We have offered it many times and they'll say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we have this one community leader. I mean, when I say, they are a stiff neck people. They are not open to the gospel at all. <laughs> like just for the record. So they'll be like, sure, you can show your film. And then the community leader goes driving off right as we're getting it set up. And we're like, okay, we are not gonna show this film without the community <laughs> leader here. He takes half of his family with him too. So, but at the hospital, um, like a one-on-one setting with patients as they're interested in showing interest, we, we offer it to them and, and it's been a great success. Yeah. Um, this is actually our town. Um, so, I mean, this is like a little bit of the outskirts, but just so you have an idea, I don't live like completely in the middle of the desert. It is a town, but it does have camels. So. How many people in town? You know, it's up to, so the biggest refugee camp of Syrian refugees is actually in our town. So it went from a sleepy little town to probably over 200,000 easily. Oh, um, but that includes a refugee camp where they don't get in and out. It's like a jail almost. You don't get in and out, but it still counts in the population. Okay. Um, so Andres um, lately has had an amazing ability to reach this age group. They're coming out of their villages to come to our town to go to college or different things. And so because imagine trying to trying to have deep spiritual conversations when they don't have a home of their own, right? They live with their parents. They're very traditional parents, but they might be a little bit more open-minded because they're the younger generation. So it's been really challenging. So like Andres will like drive them around the desert and stuff so they can chat in the car. But now we're realizing they're actually coming to our town. And so he's able to take advantage of when they're in town to be able to have, you know, shawarma. You guys know what shawarma is? Yeah. 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 So eat some shawarma and talk about Jesus. Um, These are the two guys on the end that's two of our teammates as well. So God's been growing our team. And we have um, another family joining us hopefully in the fall. Husband, wife, two kids, the daughter's like three, and the baby is like nine months. And so this is a great example of, um, like that's the community leader. His wife had been in the hospital 30 years ago or something just crazy, but has kept up the relationship. And um, she is a Christ follower in she is, although she's not very bold with her faith and hasn't had almost any discipleship, but they invited us to join their whole family. So there's my kids. That's our kitchen. Just so you know, we do not live in a tent. We have a very normal, very messy kitchen. Um, we homeschool. And God just provided a van for us, which was amazing. You um, should have got a land cruiser. <laughs> that's what I recommend. Honestly, yeah. If I could drive a stick shift. And that's our family. Yeah. Right. Thanks, you guys. I mean, can I ask a couple more questions? Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, right. totally. So, you know, you shared, like, when you first did your um, your explore trip, is that what it was called? Uh, vision trip, yeah. Vision trip. Why, like, Yemen is the worst of the gnarliest of the craziest countries, I know. Muslim countries in the world. Yeah. Why that specific place? Like, that place, you said it, is like... You'll get kidnapped and killed like this. It's a hole. Yeah. Um, well, there was actually miracles that led to it that otherwise we wouldn't have done it. Um, we were praying over three countries because our organization had teams in three countries. And I actually didn't know where Yemen was on the map when we were praying about it. And so I had to look, I had to like Wikipedia, what is Yemen and where is it? And then a couple other things came up, like a movie came out at the time, salmon fishing in the Yemen, like just like a few Mm -hmm. random things that I wouldn't say like, ooh, that was it, that was Holy Spirit. But it's like Yemen just kept coming up, so we kept praying about it. And then then, um, started communicating with the team leaders there. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know what, it's actually impossible for you to come because all of the embassies are closed. But, you know, you, I guess you could mail in your passports and try it. Well, my passport was full of missionary visas, so I had to get a new passport. We had to mail our passport, and they're like, it's impossible, but, I mean, I guess you should just, like, give it a try. So we did, and we did get visas, which to this day, no one knows how we got the visa. It's, it's like this mystery. We had to send our passports to, like, some, like, some random country, not even Yemen. It, mail them. Um, and then the only thing that we basically – oh, and I had been on bed rest a ton because I had had all sorts of hemorrhaging. And my, my, um, my OBGYN, he was like, 
not even letting me go up and down stairs. And so, but at the beginning of my pregnancy before I had all those problems, we had told him like, Hey, do you think we could go to the middle East? What do you think about that? And he's like, well, let's just, let's just see how it goes. Then I was on bed rest and I was not going to ask my doctor if he was going to let me go to the middle East. That was a little bit much. And so he released me from, um, from bed rest. And as we're walking out the door, he's like, wait, don't you guys have a trip planned to the middle East? You can totally go. We're like, what? (laughs) Um, And then, so the last thing that we needed to be able to go was money. And we were about to have a baby and living on a super low budget. Um, And we kept praying, kept praying. We're like, all right, Lord, like, what do you want us to do about this? And then one day we looked at our savings account and we had to the cent the amount of money that we needed for this trip. And we just were like, all right, Lord, you provided the money before we, we knew that we needed it for this. And so those were enough confirmations for us that we went to Yemen. The, my reference to Yemen, too, is a great book called The Monk of Mocha. Did you ever read that? Yes. Good one. Brian? No? Yeah, coffee right. lovers. Yeah. So if you like coffee, The Monk of Mocha is um, a book about uh, a young, a young Yemeni man yeah. who was living in San Francisco and discovered that there is competition where coffee originated, Ethiopia or Yemen. Most people say Ethiopia. Some the Yemenis would say Yemen. Definitely, yeah. So he's like, there's remarkable, unbelievable, fantastic specialty coffee in Yemen but it's such a war-torn they can't even get it out. hole. They cannot get it out. And so he has this, it's like this adventure of him going to Yemen, meeting these relationships. It's a fantastic book about Yemen, about coffee, the monk of Mocha. And so that's my reference. Yeah, it's and a good hearing book. his stories about Yemen and then like you going to Yemen, I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. Okay, last thing. Uh, you know, Dan, you're, and this wasn't, this wasn't like, hey, this is like a setup for you guys. You are a missionary. You're funded by just people being generous and donating. If somebody did want to give, um, how could they do that? I'm sure you get this question. You're probably not. How yeah. can somebody give if they did want to give to you? What would be the best way? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I, I think that is important, too, because I think with Andres being a dentist, like some people wonder, like, oh, does he get paid for that? You know, that would make sense. And we, we, we fundraise, like the Lord provides all of our funds mostly through families and churches in America and in Ecuador. And we have, we work with an organization, which I won't say while we're on this, but I'm happy to say after, and we can receive, um, donations through that as well as our, our sending church, um, which I can tell you more about that. Yeah, let's do, let me stop this for a second. And then, 